um, with a question. And my question is this, where's the line for you? Um, when I was a youth pastor, uh, we used to talk about relationships. And when we talked about relationships, the kids would always want to talk about the fact that there's a physical part to a relationship. Now, right now, we don't have that in many relationships, but they wanted to know when they were dating where the line was. You know, like, can we hold hands and it's okay? Or, or, or more specifically, they asked the question this way. How far can I go and it still be okay? Uh, I think that's an interesting question. I think we ask it in a lot of different areas in life right now. Um, I don't know who you are, but I've got to be honest and tell you that I'm a rule keeper. And so when they told me I have to wear a face mask outside, I tend to wear a face mask outside. Uh, when they told me that um, I shouldn't go to the store very often, I tend not to go to the store very often. Uh, I'm a rule keeper. I don't, I don't know how you look at the rules. I don't know if you're a person that decides to say in, in the comfort of the inside of what would be acceptable or if you like to always be kind of pushing the edge a little bit. Uh, I think that's an interesting question. What kind of person are you and what does the line look like for you? I think that that becomes an interesting question for us as believers because all of a sudden you take a look at God's word and, and let's be honest, there's a lot of things that we have to do. There are things that are called commands. Even the command to love is called the great commandment. Jesus Christ, as we are reading through the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to give different commandments. And the question is, what does the line look like for you, and, and how do you handle the line? You see, there was a group of people during the time of Jesus that were rule keepers, and we'll be talking a little bit about them a little bit. But today we want to take a look again at the red letters, and we're going to be asking a question that Jesus is making a transition now in this passage. He talked about the attitudes of people that are in the kingdom, the attitudes that they have towards God, the attitudes that they have towards each other. Now he's going to start talking about how we live or what our actions are in the kingdom. Once again, we're taking a look at red letters today. I want to continue to read some of those red letters to you as we continue in Matthew chapter 5. As we continue through this study on the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible in front of you or if you're using just the screen today, it's Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 17. He says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches each other to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless you have righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray as we continue today. Dear God, I thank you for your word.
I thank you for the, especially the parts of it that are the red letters, that are the things that you spoke to your disciples. And God, now as we are modern day disciples, I pray that we could hear your words well and that we could understand what you were saying. We love you, God. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather today in this very unique way. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's break down this passage. And let's break down what Jesus Christ was saying to the people at that time. He started by saying, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. You see, there is this idea that when Messiah would come, that maybe he just set aside everything or things would be different and that he create a new way of doing things. And there is a reality that that's what Jesus Christ is doing. But it's interesting that Jesus Christ is saying that he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. So the question is, what are the law and the prophets? That's just another way for them to say what we now today call the Old Testament. So let me read it again using that and say, do not think that I have come to abolish the Old Testament. Now, this is an interesting thought. Jesus Christ did not come to abolish it, but it goes on and it says, I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill them. Okay, so this is an interesting thought because I think that one of the things that sometimes we feel like as Christians is that since we're Christians, we're about the New Testament. We're not about the Old Testament. But in this passage, Jesus Christ explains that the reason that he came was to fulfill the Old Testament. That's his job. Jesus Christ, by his obedience... And his willingness to live by the details of the Old Testament was fulfilling all of what they were supposed to be. Now, a lot of people try to break down the Old Testament into different kinds of laws. But the reality is that Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of the laws that went along with ceremony because he became the ultimate sacrifice, right? When, when you take a look at all the laws and talk about how appreciated Jesus was the great high priest. And on and on it goes that Jesus Christ did not come to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. In fact, it goes on and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. In the new, in the King James, it used to say jot or tittle. A jot would be like the top of an I or an apostrophe. Uh, a tittle or a dot would be that ending of a letter that made it distinctive from another letter, that serif part of the letter. Jesus Christ is saying something very interesting here. Jesus Christ is saying that all of the law, all of the Bible will be accomplished. I think this is really important for us to understand because I think that sometimes we take a look at the promises of God's word and we say, well, that, that one does, doesn't apply anymore. Um, that, that doesn't need to happen. But I think it's very interesting to know that God himself is saying that what I say I will do. Now, that's very different from today, isn't it? There's a lot of people that say a lot of things but we don't really listen very carefully to them because we don't 
concern ourselves with the iotas and the dots of what they say because we're not sure they will accomplish those things. Jesus wasn't a politician. Jesus was a prophet and a savior. Jesus is God. And he says that what he said he will accomplish. I think that that's really important for us to know and to remember. He goes on and he says in verse 19, he says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be the least in the kingdom. He's saying that there's, there's something important that Jesus is saying here. He's saying this. He's saying obedience matters. Following what I have commanded masters. When Moses came off of the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, he didn't say, hey, I've got ten really cool ideas or principles. You know, ten suggestions of things that we know. He said, I have ten commandments. When Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples, he says, I give you a new, not suggestion, not idea, but a new commandment. I think this is really important because obedience matters. That's why you see in this passage, it says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We live in a society today that thinks that because we live in modern times that the rules can change. Because it's a different era. We can look at it differently. And, and there are teachers that are more than willing to look at you and say, here's the least you can do. Here's where the line is. Here's how you can get close to the line but not be over the line. This is how you can kind of be obedient. Jesus didn't teach kind of obedience. Jesus taught obedience. First of all, he was an example of it. He says, I came to fulfill. I, I came to be obedient and fulfill. And if you take a look in Philippians, what does it say? He was obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so we see in Jesus's life an obedience, and and we see the priority or the importance of obedience. Now it's interesting because he's making a shift here, because he's no longer just talking about the Bible, but he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, that was kind of the beginning and the end of the Beatitudes. The first Beatitude and the last Beatitude said that we would inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now he's talking about life in the kingdom of heaven. And although we're not going to jump into some of the details of that this week, he is giving the introduction to the next section. The first section was all about these are the attitudes of the kingdom. Now we're going to start talking about what action looks like, what obedience looks like, what trusting God looks like in the kingdom of heaven. He, if you go on in this passage, he says there is a bad example of obedience. And he says this, I tell you the truth, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. That's a, a pretty big deal, what he said there. And that's a pretty big challenge to each one of us. But you need to understand this, something. Being a Christian is about being much more than being a rule keeper. When we take a look at Jesus Christ's obedience, the reason that he was obedient 
wasn't because he was a rule keeper. The reason he was obedient is because he was in relationship with God the Father. And he obeyed out of his love for his Father. And the reason that we must obey isn't just that we can be good rule keepers and, and, and take time to explain the rules well and, and create, explain to them in, in greater detail. No, that's not the goal. The goal isn't to be like a Pharisee and be just a really good rule keeper. The goal is to be someone in relationship. I, I appreciate today that as we talk about um, staying at home and social distancing, that most of the people try to explain it not just by saying that this is the right thing to do and you need to keep the rules. No, most people are taking the time to explain to you that it's because you love other people and that you want to honor other people that you are willing to follow the rules. That's this idea that we have here in the scripture. The idea here is, is out of our love for God, our love for the head of the kingdom, our love for the king, that we are willing to obey the king and we are willing to do what he says. So this passage teaches us a couple interesting ideas and I just want to bring them up about what kingdom obedience should look like. Number one, first of all, when we're willing to obey, we can be like Christ and we can fulfill the righteousness or the right activity in our own lives. You know, I don't know all that God wants you to do or all that God wants you to be, but I do know that God wants you to live in a way that you show that you're loving him. And in the process of that, our lives have purpose and meaning it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he gave us before the beginning of time. In Philippians, it talks about the fact that we fulfill righteousness in verse 10 when we are obedient. And so I, I think that we have to take a look at it each day and say, out of my love for you, I can be willing to obey you and I am fulfilling something great that you created for me to be. The second thing is this. I think that we need to be confident that what Jesus said is true and that all of the Bible promises will be accomplished. They'll be accomplished in our own lives, the things that God promises for us, but they'll also be happen for Israel and for the kingdom of God. We, we live in the hope of Jesus Christ returns in the hope of heaven. And the reality is, is that the only way you're going to experience the joy of knowing that the Bible has accomplished is if you know the Bible. If, if you realize the things the Bible teaches you about God and what he's like and how he relates to us, then all of a sudden that can, that can inform every moment of your life. You see, there are some people that their view of God is created by their circumstances. But there's others of us that the way our view of God is is made stronger is because we already know who he is and it and it affects how we live in the day that that should be very true of us right now 
This could be a time that we could be afraid, except for we know that God is our peace. This is a time where we could feel absolutely out of control, yet we know that God is in control. We know his promises, and because of his promises, we can live the life that we live today. The third point that goes along with this is obedience must be practiced and taught. Now, if you went all the way to the end of the book of Matthew, in chapter 28, it tells us that we're supposed to go into all the world and teach the gospel to every person. And then it goes on to say that we're supposed to teach them to obey whatever I've commanded you. So see, there's two parts to obedience. One is that we have to learn to be obedient, to be examples of it, to practice obedience. But the other thing is that we have to teach it to other people. Um, You who are parents or even grandparents, there is an opportunity that we have to teach obedience to our children, our grandchildren, and explain to them the why as we understand from God's word. But the most important thing I think about obedience is this. Obedience is so much more than just keeping the rules. You know, here at Lake Placid Baptist Church, our motto is that we're learning to trust God more. And I think that there are times that, that you just have to trust God and you know that you're supposed to be obedient and you under, under, don't understand completely why. You probably experienced that as a child. Remember those times as a child where your dad says, this is what I want you to do. Why? I can't explain to you right now. You just have to trust me. I think God is saying that to us all the time. God wants us to live a life of obedience to him, but not just simply because we're good rule keepers, but because we deeply love him and we're learning to trust him with each thing that is in our lives. So, I come back to the question that I started with today. What kind of a rule keeper are you? How do you you see your Christian life? How, How are you looking at God's word? Is it something that are his commands that there's a lot of yes, sir, that should go along with that because you love the commander so very much? Are you you living on the edge and you're trying to figure out, instead of being the word of God, and in Romans says that God puts us in the center of his hand and no one can take us out, but are you trying to dangle off the finger right now? Or maybe you're one of those people that you're like, man, I could never be a Christian because those rules are really hard. And so the reason you never started a relationship with Jesus Christ is because you thought it was about being a ruler keeper. I want you to tell you it's not. Rule keeping is our privilege and shows our love for Jesus Christ. But it comes out of this reality. The reality is that God, out of his love for us, sent his son who was obedient to become the perfect sacrifice and take the punishment for all the things that we do wrong so that we can have a relationship with God. Because see, we never could be a rule keeper. We never could keep the rules right enough. We never could keep the details enough. We needed somebody else to be our savior so that we could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God himself. That's what Jesus Christ did. So if you don't have a relationship with God, keeping the rules doesn't matter. You're never going to be able to keep them well enough. You're already a sinner 
You need him to save you so then he can empower you to be a person that is more willing and more able to follow his commands. So if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be your savior, it's simple as doing this. You could bow your head right now and repeat these words after me. Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm not a good rule keeper. Thank you for taking the, the, my place and dying on the cross for me. I accept you now as my savior and want to grow in a relationship with you. You know, every great relationship, if you just prayed that prayer, that means that you started a relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you to get on the church website or, or even in the comments today and just say, hey, I, I began this relationship um, because we would love to help you grow in that personal relationship with the Lord. You see, that's the goal here. It's about relationships and in every good relationship. There are some rules that make relationships work well. And God created the rules because he knows how we can live best. And we need to learn to trust him today. So I encourage you, as you take a look at this next week, ask God to help you become more obedient and more trusting of him in your relationship with him. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for the opportunity of relationship with you. And yet, God, I pray that we would take obeying you and your commands very seriously. And God, that we could fulfill all righteousness that you called us to. God, that we would know your promises and be confident in you. And God, that we wouldn't minimize the things that we're supposed to do and turn commands into suggestions, but that we would walk daily in greater obedience to you. Not because we're good rule keepers, because instead that we're in a great relationship with the God who died for us and loves us. And so God, help us in this 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 walk of life that we must go on. Help us to not minimize, but maximize everything that's true of this relationship that you've given us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, um, there were some new things this week, and uh, I wanted to just give a couple announcements and kind of catch you up on a couple things that I, I think are important. Um, uh, the first thing is, is the church has a new newsletter. Um, it's a new email service, basically what it is. We sent out two emails this week. If you did not receive either of them, I would check your spam folder and uh, figure out a way to make sure that those things aren't just heading in that direction. That's how we kind of communicate what's going on around here, and uh, we would want love for you to keep on that. Second of all, I asked for you to shoot, take a quick picture of what your sanctuary looks like today. Um, maybe take a, a selfie of you and your family, or even if you're just by yourself, and uh, send those to the church email address, uh, Lake Placid Church uh, at gmail.com. And we just like to put together a collage, kind of trying to picture where everybody is at when they're worshiping. So if you could do that, that would be great. 
Uh, don't forget, you can give your tithes and offerings either online or by mail. And I know that both of you, those services are being used and, and God is taking care of the needs of this church. That's a unique area to grow in obedience. So I encourage you to, to begin trusting God more in that area, not because of what our needs are here at the church, but because of, I think it's one of those areas of obedience that is certainly easy to minimize. Um, I, I wanted to remind you of some of the prayer requests. Um, and uh, the list at the church is being populated, um, but there's a couple I just want to highlight. First of all, um, I hope Angela's watching this today, and I want you to know your church is with you, and Fred, and Noel, and Reagan, and we love you, and uh, we know that's getting a little harder, and you don't have as much an appetite, but we are praying for you as you continue your chemo and your radiation, and uh, we love you, and we're, we're walking right there with you, and I hope that you know that. Um, for those of you who are involved in an essential job and you're putting yourselves in harm way for the rest of us, we want to thank you and we love you and we appreciate that. I got a picture from my sister Joy this week uh, just showing her face after wearing a face mask for eight hours a day. And uh, and even those small sacrifices that, that you and healthcare and other people are making for us, we just really appreciate it. I know that some of you aren't working and we're praying for you. And I know that some of you are looking forward to being essential and we're praying for you as you wait. Um, I think that those are all big things. Um, I did get one prayer request I wanted to read today. And, uh, and this is from Julia, um, um, Bob and Lori's daughter. Um, she wanted us to be praying for Honduras. And I just am going to go ahead and read this um, because I think she said it best. I want to express my prayer requests that are heavy on my heart these days. We too are under quarantine here in Honduras, but it's a national lockdown. So we aren't allowed to leave our homes except for once a week, depending upon our ID numbers. We've been this way for the at least five weeks now. The projection is that this... the. Projection is that this is and will hurt the economy in challenging ways. What hurts my heart is that many families associated with our school are not receiving paychecks and only portions because their business is closed. Honduras is already poor, and this is driving so many needy families further into poverty. A second prayer request is for rain. We are in a severe drought these months, and water has not been supplied to people around us where we live for weeks. They have been told that the water won't be given until it rains. In theory, the rainy season should start in a week or two, but in the past, the rains haven't come like they should. One year, it wasn't until October. Because it is so dry, we are experiencing many forest fires, where we live, which takes away from the water supply as well. We praise God that we are provided be far beyond our expectations, but I have no idea how Honduras will come out of quarantine. Will you ask the church to join us in praying over these things? Thank you, Julia. So that we have several things that we need to pray about. So would you bow your heads and pray with me as uh, we go to the one that we know hears our prayers and wants to answer them. 
Dear God, we uh, thank you that you hear our prayers, that you are not distant, but that that you incline your ear to hear the prayers of your people. And so we cry out to you today, God. We cry out to you because some of us are just lonely. The um, routine of social distancing is hard. You go to stores and even places there are people and there's less eye contact and there's less opportunity to chat. And so, God, we just pray that you would fill this void in our lives. God, we pray that you would keep us safe. God, that you would, especially for those who are physically vulnerable, God, that you would take good care of them. God, that you would take care of health workers and grocery store workers and FedEx delivery men and our postman and all of these different people in our community. And God, would you guide the government and the leaders? Would you give them wisdom as they reopen our country and reignite our economy? Lord, we pray that we would be wise and safe in these things. God, we pray that you would continue to take care of the people that we love. And we think specifically of Angela, God, and that you would take care of her. And we're we're thankful that Michael's um, appointments have gone well as he continues to have um, his eye needs taken care of. God, we think of the things that Julia has asked us for, and we pray that we would have eyes that would see beyond just our four walls and the needs that we personally have. And so we take, we pray for the, the poor in the world, God, that are more touched by this quarantine than we can imagine. We, we think of even the poor and the needy in our own communities, and we pray that you would give them what they need. God, we pray that you would bring the rains uh, to Honduras so that they could have the simple needs of things like even just water. And God, that you would bring the change of seasons here, God. And we thank you for the beauty that was yesterday. And God, we hunker down for maybe just a little more snow here. What a crazy world we live in. But this crazy world is not out of your control. And there's nothing that you promised that you will not do. And so we are thankful and we are grateful and we love you and we cry out to you. God, help us in our weakness. Give us your strength. Provide for us and lead us. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, church family and friends, have a great day. Thank you for dropping in for this opportunity to be a part of God's kingdom and be his church family today. We love you. God bless you.